is the Pope the vicar of Christ? Does this mean that he's Jesus Christ? Does this mean that he replaces Jesus Christ? Is this a blasphemous term? Many anti-Catholics seem to think so, and they'll say, where does it say that the Pope is the vicar of Christ in the Bible? It doesn't say anything about that role in the Bible, but in fact, the Vicar of Christ is biblical. And in this video, we're going to be showing that not only is the Vicar of Christ role biblical, we're going to be showing where it's found in the Bible and what it actually means. Anti-Catholics love to say that the Vicar of Christ exalts the role of the Pope to a place of divinity. The Pope becomes Jesus. He becomes divine. He is a divine person. And it's blasphemy. It's blasphemy. It's blasphemy. And they are vehement about this. In fact, one anti-Catholic website says this, quote, Throughout the centuries of Rome's existence, the Popes have regularly claimed to be divine, unquote. Really? Huh. It's news to me, but another very prominent anti-Catholic site agrees and says this. The majesty, greatness, and indescribable power of the office of Vicar of Christ are such that the believer stands in awe of the Pope's divine person. That any person should lay claim to the office of Vicar of Christ seems totally absurd and blasphemous." Unquote. In this video, we're going to see that all of this is the farthest thing from the truth. The Vicar of Christ, the Pope, he does not replace Jesus. He is not Jesus. He's not a divine person. I mean, to be divine means you're God. The Pope is not God. He's a mere man. So it's no wonder so many anti-Catholics hate the Catholic Church or think that we worship the Pope or claim that we worship the Pope because they are so misinformed by other anti-Catholics who are misinformed by other anti-Catholics who just keep repeating these myths that aren't in fact true. So what is the truth? Let's get down to it. The word vicar means in place of or instead of. Now many anti-Catholics will say, see, you replace Christ. You go to the Pope instead of Christ. But that's not actually what it means. He doesn't replace Christ and he doesn't become Christ. Rather, many anti-Catholics would be very surprised to know that this office of Vicar of Christ is biblical. And we will see this in Genesis 35-50 to in the story of Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his own brothers. In a long life of suffering, he was thrown in prison, he was mistreated, he was falsely accused, but eventually he was raised up by Pharaoh. Joseph had interpreted many dreams, and one time Pharaoh was plagued by a dream, and he called Joseph to his side, and Joseph successfully interpreted the dream. And when he did so, the Pharaoh was so happy that he made Joseph the royal steward of Egypt, meaning he was second in command to Pharaoh himself. I mean, a slave boy who was in prison is now ruling Egypt under the Pharaoh. To be sure, there were other authorities in Egypt, but they all answered to the royal steward, who in turn answered himself to the Pharaoh. So it was an order of command, and he was second in command. People reported to him, and he operated with Pharaoh's authority. Fast forward many years later, Israel wanted, when they had their great kingdoms, they wanted to model their great kingdom off of the land of Egypt and the system that they had. And they brought in the exact same office of royal steward that the Egyptians had. But in Israel, it was called the prime minister. It was the office of the prime minister. And anybody can see this in Isaiah 22. It talks about one of the prime ministers 
who had authority under the king, he was corrupt and he was evil. And so he was removed and he was succeeded, replaced by another prime minister known as Eliakim. So Shebna was removed and Eliakim was installed as the new prime minister. Just like Egypt, he was second in command under King David. King David, of course, ruled and is the king. He rules all of Israel, but he appointed the prime minister, in this case Eliakim, under him. He was second in command, and he gave him his authority. You can read it for yourself in Isaiah 22, but just a few parts. It says that I will commit your responsibility, the king's responsibility, into his hands, and he shall be a father of Jerusalem and Judah, and the key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder, so that he shall open and no one shall shut, and he shall shut and no one shall open. I will fasten him as a secure peg and he will become glorious in my father's house, etc., etc. But the bottom line is that when the prime minister is established in Israel, he receives the key to the house of David, the key. And this is no small key. This key was large. In fact, you could hike it on your shoulder. It was a big key. And the person who received the key received all authority in the land under the king. And again, to be sure, there were other authorities in the land of Israel, but they all answered to the person who had the key, the one who operated with the king's authority, the one that the king himself appointed. And this prime minister answered to nobody else except to the king himself. And so we see here the prime minister, Eliakim, receiving the key, and he shall shut, and nobody shall open, and nobody shall open what he shall shut, which are terms of authority. Authority. And this is exactly what we see, this exact same office, in Matthew 16, 18, and 19, when Jesus says, You are rock to Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. You are the rock, and I will give you, Peter, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So we notice right away very similar language, just as the kingdom of David and the prime minister, he gave him the key and said, What you shut, no one shall open. What you open, no one shall shut. So Jesus gives the exact same office to Peter and gives him the keys, not of the house of David, but of the kingdom of heaven, meaning he's going to run the church on earth. In similar language, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. These are terms of authority, priestly terms of authority. And all of the apostles received this similar authority in Matthew 18, 15 through 18, but only Peter received the keys of the kingdom, just as there were other authorities in Israel, but only the prime minister received the key. In this case, only Peter received the keys because Jesus was delegating him the office of prime minister. He was delegating his authority to Peter to run the church while he was away. So that, yes, there are other authorities, but everyone reports to Peter. Peter is the highest authority in the land, or in this case, in the church, under the king. So Jesus is still king, and Peter and all popes will have to and do have to answer to the ultimate king, the king of kings, Jesus Christ himself. So far from replacing Jesus, far from uh, becoming Jesus, far from no need for Jesus because we have the Pope and we look to the Pope instead of Jesus, I mean, that's like saying, oh, we just look to Eliakim and who cares about King David? Or we look to Joseph, oh, and the Pharaoh, he can take a hike. No, nobody thought that way. Of course, if you go to Joseph or if you go to Eliakim, you're going to the king himself. He has authority 
from the king. But the king is still the ultimate authority in the land, and Jesus is still the head of the church. Jesus is still the ultimate authority in the church. Jesus is still the ultimate rock, the ultimate cornerstone, the ultimate all in all things because he is Lord and God. But he has delegated Peter to have a special authority in the church. He has delegated Peter to have a special role, a special ministry, which is why we see in John 21, 15 through 17, Jesus makes Peter, the new good shepherd, to shepherd the church, to shepherd. He could have just said, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, great. But he said, tend my sheep, feed my sheep, tend my lambs. But he gave him a special authority that he didn't give anyone else. So far from replacing Christ, the vicar of Christ does not replace Christ. Rather, he's appointed by Christ with his authority to run the church, to make decisions, to bind and loose, to correct, to reprove, to make doctrine, and that sort of thing. And of course, he's responsible, and if he does a bad job, just as Shebna in Isaiah 22 was evil and corrupt, and he had to answer to the king and face consequences, so there have been bad popes, and there will be bad popes, because the popes are not perfect. They're not God. Only God's perfect. But they will have to answer to the king for the job that they did. They will have to answer to Jesus if they are evil, if they are corrupt, and they probably won't just be removed from uh, the office. Like in Isaiah 22, they'll probably be removed from the kingdom of heaven because the Bible says that those who have authority and teach with Christ's authority in the book of Hebrews uh, and they don't do a good job, they're going to be judged twice as harsh as everyone else because of the authority given to them. So this office does not mean that the Pope is perfect. It didn't mean Shebna was perfect. Shebna was corrupt, but he had authority until he was removed. And the Popes have authority in Christ's name, whether they're perfect or not, whether they make stupid decisions or not, or whether they make bad personal life choices or not, the Pope has Christ's authority. And 266 Popes later, they still operate with Christ's authority. And Christ promised to guide them into all truth, to give them the Holy Spirit, and promised to be with his church until the end of time. They are human, and so we need to pray for them, that the Holy Spirit guide them, empower them, lead them, and direct them. Let us pray for our Pope and all the bishops and priests and people that God has given his authority to because they need our prayers. They're attacked by the devil just the same as we are and perhaps even more so. Thank you so much for watching this video today. I hope it helped to answer your question on the Vicar of Christ and what that means and to see how it is biblical and to see that the Catholic Church isn't just making up these things, but they actually do try to steep their beliefs in the Bible and in the biblical tradition that has been handed on from Jesus. They're not just making it up off the top of their head. There is a reason why we believe these things from the Bible. And so if you could help us to share this on your social media platforms or to like it or to put a comment down below, these all help to make our videos more popular, help more people to see them, and help more lives to be saved and changed. We're so glad you joined us today. We would love for you to check out our Facebook down below, our Instagram if you haven't seen those before, if you don't follow us, or our podcast. If sometimes you can't watch a video, download the podcast and listen to it at a later date. We sometimes even do podcasts that we don't make videos for, so they're like unique podcasts that you won't get on our YouTube channel. So make sure to subscribe to that. And if you can, please consider supporting our ministry. Thank you to all our patrons who give to our ministry. You are the reason that souls are being saved and lives are being changed because we don't exist without you. So thank you very much and thank you to all our new patrons. May God bless you all. Please pray for us as we are always praying for you.